0: Welcome to the Library Love Fest podcast, brought to you by HarperCollins Publishers.
1: Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Check it out. Doo-doo-doo, doo-doo-doo. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love Fest.
2: Hi, it's Lainey from the Library Love Fest marketing team, and today we have a very special episode for you guys. We have a book coming out called How to Write a Romance, and it's coming out on July 9th, 2019, and it is just a journal. It shares wisdom and expertise from the Avon Romance editors that we have here in-house. It's just a basic construction of the romance novel. It highlights some of the common pitfalls to avoid. There are 180 prompts and it's just a really great way to learn how to write a romance from the people who know it best. So today, I'm joined by two of the editors that are working on this book, Elle Keck, who is the associate editor at Avon, and another editor at Avon, Nicole Fisher. Welcome, guys. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having us. Of course. I'm excited. So can you guys tell them a little bit like what you work on romance-wise?
3: Uh, Yeah. So this is Elle. So I work on kind of a bit of everything I think both of us do. Um, I have a lot of historical romance authors. I have um, some contemporary authors. I also do um, some women's fiction that has a lot of romantic elements. So sort of, I call it like not your mom's women's fiction, but more, you know, things that the modern day younger woman um, really cares about. So that's mainly what I work on.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do historical romance as well, a lot of, you know, Regency and Victorian and Georgian, um, and then contemporary romances, I do a lot of rom-coms, that's kind of my new thing, I'm really excited about the new mm. rom-com trend is back, because yeah. it's, you know, kind of always been there, but now it's picking up speed again, and we I have love, some exciting ones yes, coming. Yes, lots of really fun rom-coms up in the next couple months and the next years, um, so yeah, it's a really even balance between historical romance and contemporary romance for me. Um, I don't currently do a ton of women's fiction, but I am hoping to in the near future. Yeah, More like millennial women's fiction.
3: <laughs> yeah, I feel like Nicole and I kind of, we have similar tastes, but we also will trade off certain things that we're interested in, so we're not feeling like we're competing, Yeah, <laughs> which is good.
2: As far as authors, people they would recognize, can you maybe give an author name that
3: you work on?
0: Um, I work with Tessa Bailey, Vivian LeRae, Mia Sosa, Talia Hibbert, um, Mm. Ava Lee. Wonderful. Bunch of really awesome ladies.
3: Yeah. um, I work with Kat Sebastian, uh, Christy Carlisle, Sheris Michaels, um, Nisha Sharma, Marie Tremaine, Julia Whelan, a couple, you know, also really great
2: people (laughs) you might have (laughs) heard of yeah (laughs) and if you
3: haven't check them out yeah (laughs)
2: Yeah. so we have a really big romance audience in the library market a lot of romance fans coming and so this book kind of gives them a jumping start to make their own so they've read all of this romance but now they can write their own how did this idea come about
0: well, we have another colleague who does a lot of the gifty journals and you know prompts and fun, little things you might find out like urban outfitters and she kind of she's a romance fan and she thought wouldn't it be cool if we kind of created a journal or like just like a how to write a romance booklet that people could use with prompts and like ideas for like how to get started and then on top of that we were like you know we have such a huge list of amazing authors they all have such incredible things to say so we collected quotes from all of them about off like being an author about writing about like characters about emotion and like happily ever afters and included those too. so they're kind of like spurs throughout with little like inspirational like you
4: can do it <laughs> yeah.
3: um and it was yeah. a lot of fun because it's something that nicole and i and the rest of the avon editorial team were always talking about you know when we're editing but also just kind of because this is our life how to you know, little things that are like, oh, I wish people knew this, and I wish new writers, you know, understood this about conflict. And so, I think there's a lot of prompts in there that are really specifically geared towards the things that we talk about, that we see the weaknesses in some submissions that we get. So it's a lot about conflict. It's a lot about creating characters, fully three dimensional right. characters, and and making sure that you know those characters and those conflicts are kind of woven throughout and it doesn't feel like anything it just kind of is like oh and suddenly it's here because those are always you know when you read a book that doesn't quite work that's often what the problem is um and so this is really hopefully designed to kind of getting you to think about things in a really yeah. deep way, not and, and also have fun. Yeah. And it's not really like, you know, a
0: guided, like, here, start here, go to this point, go to this point, go to this point now, you're at the end of your book. It is really just kind of a ton of really fun little, like, things to get you thinking about, like, your characters, and your conflict, and your romance, and the connection between the characters, and other side details about your story, and the plot, mm-hmm. and their meat cute and, like, mm-hmm. very general things that like especially for like introductory people that are like I want to try to write a romance that I've never done before like it seems so daunting how do they manage to like have a romantic connection and a fully developed characters and a conflict and everything all in one because that is honestly one of the best things about romance is like it has all these elements perfectly woven together that you know a lot of people don't think about. And you, you know some people disdain it because it's like romance. but in reality, when you really read a romance, there's so many elements that so many other books don't have and they're all combined. And so this is kind of a great place to start, like how to think about all those different details and then combine them
3: into one story. So yeah, and it's geared towards, definitely people who are wanting to write in the romance genre but I think it could be really useful for people who are writing outside of it because it is asking you a lot to think deeply about your character you know I think one of the prompts is something like five things that your heroine's afraid of mm-hmm. you know and it's not necessarily you're going to put all five of those yeah. things in the book but those are things that help you create her in your mind and I think that's something that all writers can use and I think in terms of kind of we have some a little more sexy prompts and I think we always <laughs> see these like you know, listicles of like, here are the worst sex scenes of the year, (laughs) you know, and romance writers are never on those because they know how to write them. And I think that could be really useful for people outside the genre who, you know, maybe do want to write a sex scene, but aren't as versed in it. And Mm -hmm. I think that could be really good for them as well. So I think it can be used to a broader kind of variety of people, um, you know, as well as the kind of diehard romance people.
2: Sounds like a great reference, Mm -hmm. not only just for how to write a romance, but also to see like the key players and their mm-hmm. quotes. So you're like, oh, well this person said this. Well, what did they write? And to yeah. go back, yeah. kind of have this all encompassing, this is what romance is yeah. book. So that's cool.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's so,
0: and it's also really cute, like designed with like graphics and colors and fun little prompt sections to write in. Um, it, was, it was fun to go through those pages and kind of mark them up and look at them and like, <laughs> yeah but yeah we we wrote all the prompts and sometimes we came up with really ridiculous ones and we were like oh my goodness we
3: came up with this in the book. and i think something that we we tried to be mindful of is you know there are prompts that are you know him and her but we really did try to be mindful of the fact that we really believe romance is a very inclusive genre of you know all races and ethnicities all genders all sexualities and so we did try to make quite a few as, many of, as, many like, as possible, yeah. Yeah, of the prompts gender, gender neutral. neutral. So, you know, and you can always flip whatever yeah. you want. Um, but we did try to be mindful of that because, you know, romance isn't just, you know, straight white people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that is something that we, we wanted to do so everyone could kind of feel comfortable. Yeah. Like with,
0: if you were writing a male-male romance and you come across the prompt for a heroine, like of course that isn't mm-hmm. totally fitting with your story, but like, mm-hmm. You can skip that one but also like two men in love is absolutely what a romance is so mm-hmm. yeah
2: yeah so you don't want to exclude anyone from a no. prompt because yeah. that doesn't no. fit what they're writing yeah, yeah. definitely not so, okay.
3: yeah
2: so can you tell them a little bit of how the layout is so is it a quote a prompt, and then writing space? Is there space to write in the book as well?
0: Um, there's definitely space to write. I f- can't remember the exact page counts. Like, mm-hmm. I think at the end there's basically, like, little sections of, like, maybe, like, five or six prompts and then a quote from an author, like, Elise Lisa Kleypas quote or something. And then I think at the end of each section there might be a few blank, like, journal-type lined pages that you can scribble notes in or whatever. But I think each prompt has a section to write as at least like three or four lines on each page where you could take your notes or like, you know, draft out a paragraph like your first five lines of dialogue or
3: something like that. Um, And then I think there are also
0: a bunch of blank pages at the end, like with lines that you could write on.
3: I think that it's a really great resource to sort of like take notes. So if you maybe you're on the go or you're, you know, in a coffee shop, it's a really good place to kind of jot stuff down because let's be honest, most people, when they're writing, they're gonna be writing on their laptop, and so it has those spaces to kind of make those notes, and it does have the pages in the back, but it also is mindful of the fact that, like, most people aren't writing by hand. Yeah. So it's, it's you know, like you were saying, kind of a reference and kind of something to kind of keep your mind going and kind of energized, and then you can, you know, write on your laptop yeah. or, or wherever.
0: And it's not like, you know, the prompts aren't like, write five pages of, like, your first introductory scene. It's really like, <laughs> Here's a line of dialogue, write a good response to that. Or, you know, make bullet points of your character's, like, five flaws or something like that. So it's very much like short little things that you would just kind of like jot down Mm -hmm. um, versus like fully drafting part of your story in the book. But I mean there
3: are blank pages for them to do that if they want to. Yeah I think it's nice because it, it really is a way to kind of get your imagination working and I think sometimes that's the hardest part when authors get stuck. They're just like I don't have anything and I think the hope is that they can open this up and they can just read the prompts and get ideas and kind of reinvigorate themselves and, and all that. It's almost like, like writing exercises. Mm-hmm. You
0: know, there's also because you know there's so many different subgenres of romance that we tried to be very like you know getting a little bit of everything in there. So there's something about like, you know, you're walking through the forest and a wolf turns into a person, like what do you do? (laughs) Like paranormal and then like something historical and contemporary Mm -hmm. and like, so it is kind of like if you don't write paranormal romance, but that's just a fun prompt that you could try to think of like, what would my character do (laughs) if this happened? (laughs) Um, So it's not, you know, super serious. It is very much just like a fun thing to get your imagination Mm -hmm. going.
2: Yeah. Speaking of different Mm sub-genres, a lot of conversation in the library world is about like what we're looking for that's different from romance. A lot of people want to see like sci-fi pulled in or um, diverse characters Mm -hmm. are obviously a big thing we've been talking about, but some people were saying, you know, you have like the vampires and you have, so is there something you guys are seeing as you're getting requests in that maybe people are wanting more of?
3: Um... (laughs) I mean, I definitely I think, think inclusive narratives is pretty yeah. much the most important, and it not—it's not a genre, yeah, um, but kind of inclusivity throughout. The board. Yeah, I think that is something that I think we're both passionate about, and I think Avon is really passionate about, and um, you know, it's nice that like not only you the whole kind of romance community and the readers, and we're all understanding how important this is. And we're all kind of holding each other accountable. And I think that is so important because for a long time that hasn't been the case. And I think that has been a real detriment to the genre. Mm -hmm. And I think it's great now that we're all really understanding the importance of it. um, And we all know that we have so much more work to do do and places to grow. um, But to me, that's sort of the biggest um, thing that we're working on.
0: Yeah. I mean, specific little, you know, more vampires, more you know, that, I don't, like, those aren't really things that I am hearing about. It's kind of because every, like, because the romance community and what people like to read is so vast, and, mm-hmm. and everybody mm-hmm. has their favorite thing, like, everyone has a favorite trope, everyone has a favorite, you know, type of subgenre, genre be it, like, shifters or vampires <laughs> or, you know pirates or what have you and I think you know there's always somebody asking for something Um, but you know we have our personal tastes as well so it can be sometimes it's interesting like someone's like I really want shifter romances and I'm like I don't really read or do paranormal at all but Erica does like you know so it's she might hear more about what people are looking for in that realm than
2: Yeah. yeah so not necessarily like pointing out something they're looking for more like Like acquiring a lot of different things so everyone is happy.
0: Yeah, I think that is definitely, you know, there are some trends that come and go, like certain things, billionaires aren't as popular as they were maybe five years ago for Mm -hmm. various reasons. (laughs) Um, And, but like, it's, we we like to say that romance world and publishing is very cyclical and that what comes as popular in a certain time goes away for a little while Mm -hmm. and then it'll come back around in a new way of being written. Um, I think, I mean, for me, a lot of people that I talk to are really looking for, you know, strong feminist narratives that are especially in historical. And I think I, I, I love that. And I think that's kind of where both of our tastes go to. Um, like I have Scarlett Peckham. I just acquired her in the summer. And the first book is The Ray Guest. So it's, you know, it's very like subversive in that the woman is the one who was having affairs and being, mm-hmm. you know, what people might call promiscuous, but she doesn't care. And that's totally fine because if a man did it in historical, they would not ever blink yeah, an eye. Yeah,
3: like reclaiming the negative Yeah, labels. it's like we're re-
0: reclaiming what people used to think was not okay and saying, no, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah,
3: <laughs> and I, I think the great thing about romance is like it is, like Nicole was saying, it is so fast and there is kind of something for everyone. And so, no, you know, if you like a like a more sweet romance that has, you know, like a more traditional kind of in the, in the ballroom and its dances and its courtship and it's not super duper sexy, but it's, you know, it's sensuous, I would say, you know, you're going to find that and you're going to have great authors. And if you like something that is really, you know, interested in like subverting kind of expectations and subverting the genre, you're going to find that as well. And I think that is something I love so much about it is. You know, you really can find anything you're looking for, and I think librarians are always great for that because they really are such deep readers and they can really, you know, I've always
2: mm-hmm.
3: been directed in great places by librarians. I remember one I had when I was first starting to read romance, and she used to say that she didn't read about heroines, she read about sheroes, <laughs> and I thought it was like hilarious. But I think, you know, I, I, that's just so exciting to me about the genres. there's always gonna be something for everyone, even if you don't think you like it. I can always find one for someone who's like, oh, I don't really like it. And I'm like, mm, but have you read this one? Mm. And then they're like, oh, my God, I love that. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> and that's truly one of my favorite things about working
0: in the romance world is that so often a lot of people that love romance like picked up romance when they thought they didn't like to read at all. And it basically changed their lives. And I mean, I don't know if there's a way to say that about a lot of other genres, and uh, you yeah, know our books—they change lives and like yeah. make people really happy, and that's kind of like the main point of happily ever after is... Well,
2: there's a lot of conversation too. with that, like this, this like not wanting to come to romance, and then having kind of like essentially a flowchart of like, well, do you like this fiction? Yeah. Okay, yeah. we'll try this. So I mm-hmm. think people are really trying to incorporate that in their readers advisory too. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think there are definitely misconceptions and like uh, for a long time people thought it was one thing but then they read something new and they realize that romance is not necessarily what they always yeah. assumed it was. And it's nice when you get to make new fans of the genre. Yeah. and, and I feel like librarians are so key in doing that because you know when I was young teenager I spent most of my time going to the library and like scouring the shelves for like Sandra Brown books (laughs) like that was where I discovered my love of like you know my mom's bookshelf only had so many things and that was the source of where I could get all the stuff that I wanted to read and I don't think I would be as huge of a fan of romance as I am if it hadn't been
3: for the collection at the library in my hometown so Mm -hmm. and I think as well you know kind of With new readers also comes people seeing what they want in the genre and thinking, well, I don't see it right now, but I can write it. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of going back to the journal, I think that is what's really exciting is, you know, one of my authors, you know, she read all this stuff and she was like, well, I don't see what I want, so I'm just going to write it. That is just really powerful. And it's people who understand the genre and love the genre, but know that it could be better Mm -hmm. and know that they can bring something to it. And I think that's what makes it exciting and I think you know it's always evolving it's always changing and there's always new blood and you know we love the kind of grand dams and we also love the new up-and-comers and And I think it's you know I always hope that it's a genre that is welcoming to kind of all of those people Mm -hmm. Um, and I think for the most part it is but you know I think that is something that is like exciting about it and again different than other genres that I see.
0: And, you know, maybe someone buys this journal and writes their first romance, and mm. Avon can publish it one day. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, that's our goal, right? Always
3: just and trying
2: to... It all think. came from the journal.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would actually love that, though.
2: What if I just turned in the journal? That was <laughs> Here's my notes. <laughs> Here's the notes. Homework.
3: If someone does that, then definitely include it in the pitch letter. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. You we you still... start your first book with this journal. <laughs> <laughs> we want to know about yeah. it. Yeah.
2: So, do you guys have, like, a, a one liner of advice for anyone who wants to get into the, the romance. Oh, one line. World. I don't know. It can be two lines. I have like twelve. I feel like the best advice is to read
0: widely in the genre. If you're gonna write it, you have to have read it and you have mm-hmm. to know the beats of a romance and what makes it really stick and like connect with readers. And so if you've read a lot and you know what books you love, If there's a void that you wanna fill with your own story, that's great, but also just like having romance readers can tell when a new author hasn't read the genre and isn't familiar with it. Um, So read widely, that's my one line. (laughs)
3: Yeah, um, I would definitely agree with that. I think my one line would be, for someone new starting out, I would say, write the first book so you know you can. But be aware it's probably going to sit in your drawer for the rest of your life. And that's okay. That's yeah. a good thing. Pretty much everyone has a drawer book. Everyone has a drawer book. <laughs> and you write it because then you can say to yourself, I wrote a book. And it may not be very good. And to be honest, it probably isn't because you're just getting started. You're just kind of finding your voice. But the fact that you knew that you you did it and you accomplished that, I think, is so great. And it can do so much for your... Not only self-esteem, but also just to know, oh, I can do this, that you can kind of write that next book, and that can be, you know, the book that you wanted maybe the first one to be. And then people who, 10 years later, they're like, oh, I've been publishing for five years, and I, you know, here's my drawer book. What do you think? And it's almost not even the same. It doesn't feel like the same Mm -mm. author
0: anymore, because they learn every time they write a new book or a new story, they learn... new thing about themselves as a writer and you can see the progression from what was the drawer book to their published material yeah Um, so i guess there's no shame in having a drawer book (laughs) yeah so
3: write the first book and if it's bad that's kind of great yeah yeah you're still an author and you know don't be afraid of that and don't think that you're no good because pretty much every single author who you love has that book
2: yeah Yeah. that was wonderful Thanks, Alan, Nicole. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, hope you guys pick up How to Write a Romance, available July 9th. And that's, that's our episode. Thanks for joining us. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. Hi, we hope you're enjoying the podcast. Before you go, we'd like to recommend another HarperCollins podcast called Harper Audio Presents. This is a podcast that celebrates all things audiobooks, whether chatting with authors and narrators, playing games and giving away prizes, or sharing clips of the best new audiobooks. If you liked our conversation with Avon editors Elle Keck and Nicole Fisher, you'll love this clip from the Harper Audio Presents podcast, where they test romance audiobook narrator Mary Jane Wells on her knowledge of Regency-era vocabulary. Stay tuned for the clip, and be sure to check out the full interview on the Harper Audio Presents podcast, wherever you find your podcast.
1: Hello, audiobook fans. Welcome to another episode of Harper Audio Presents. I'm Andrew Caberline. Spring has sprung, love is in the air. So today we're going to focus on all things romance. Here's Mary Jane Wells. Um, so we don't let anybody come on the show without them playing a game. So now we've reached the game portion. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this, that in the state of New York, there are standardized tests that all the students have to take called the Regents. Oh, Um, no,
4: I wasn't aware.
1: Well, great. Uh, so as someone who narrates a lot of Regency romance titles, you are aware that the characters in them in that period have a language all of their own. So today, we're going to test your knowledge of old-timey vernacular, and hopefully, we'll all come out of this with some new phraseology for our everyday lives. So Mary Jane, are you ready to take your Regency exams?
4: Yes, I am.
1: (laughs) Hit (laughs) me with it. Here here are the rules. Uh, So we're going to hit you with five phrases frequently found in Regency romance, and you're going to tell us what they mean. (laughs) Uh, To make it a little easier, we are going to give you options, you know, A, B, and C, Uh, So at the end, we'll see how you did. We're going to assign you a letter grade. We'll see if you pass. Okay, Um, great. So here's number one. So in a Regency romance, if you're asked if you'd like some Adam's Ale to drink, what are you being offered? A, apple cider, B, cold tea, or C, water?
4: Apple cider.
1: Oh, no, I'm afraid that the answer (laughs) is water. On that one,
4: Adam's ale is water, really?
1: Yeah, uh, I've oh. I've had a few different. I'm not just making this up to try to. fool Yeah, you. no, I've yeah.
4: researched it. <laughs> I've
1: had a few different Damn things you. I've researched. Uh, one of our producers, uh, Suzanne Mitchell, gave me a lot of these as well. Yeah, oh. the Adam's ale. Uh, from what I gather, the term comes from the idea that um, Adam and Eve in the Bible that that's all that they would have to drink is water because nothing else had been invented yet. So, oh,
4: see, why does it not get called Eve's ale then? Why does it yeah. get named after him? He had all the ribs and everything. Well, that would
1: that would be like apple juice. I feel like for <laughs> Eve with the, the apple and everything. Right. Now I've exhausted I all I know about the Bible. So, <laughs> um, so that's back. okay. Yeah. Over so, one. Um, so one. So one
4: down. Okay. <laughs> right. <clears throat> not um, doing so number great.
1: two. You got a lot of time to recover. Don't worry. So uh, number two. If a potential suitor was said to be corny-faced, what kind of features would they have? Would they have A, an abundance of freckles, B, a plethora of acne, or C, a number of missing teeth? Any way you answer this, what a mean phrase to use uh, to talk about someone.
4: (laughs) I think it's pimples. I'm pretty sure it's acne, corny-faced.
1: You are correct. You're on the board. Yes, corny faced, being uh, red faced, uh, full of pimples. I guess that look like corn kernels. Could also be used to uh, talk about someone who is really, really drunk.
4: Oh, really? (laughs) They're so drunk, they're face down in a barrel of corn.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
4: (laughs) Well, they're just like, oh, I really, I, there's no kebabs because it's, you know, it's circa 19th century. I know. Mm-hmm. I'll put some sweet corn on. <laughs> just get out of my face on sweet corn. Right.
1: I found myself there many a time. Um,
4: <laughs> it happens to the best of us.
1: Yep. Okay, so moving on to number three. Mm-hmm. This one, I think I think you're going to know the answer. Not No pressure, but I think you're going to get this one. Okay. If you are being pursued by the Bow Street Runners. Who or what are pursuing you? A, a small brigade of police detectives, B, a flock of ravenous and interested members of the opposite sex, <laughs> or C, a notorious street gang full of young, low-class thieves.
4: It's the first. It there is the first. six coppers, yeah.
1: Yeah. So do you happen to know where, like, the, this term came from? Is there a literal Bow Street?
4: Oh, yeah. There's a Magistrates Court. It's something to do with an author, and I'm not sure why or how I know that. <laughs> but it was founded by somebody, and the Bow Street is a Magistrates Court, so it's probably the guy
1: mm-hmm. who's I a Magistrate. I think it was looking now at some late googling. I think it was it Henry Fielding. Does that sound right? Oh,
4: oh, you're on Google. Oh, why, why didn't I do that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, don't get any ideas to yeah. cheat here. Um, Um, If you're taking a long time to answer, if I hear some clickety-clack, I'll know what's going
4: on. (laughs) That's right. Oops. (coughs) I'll cough over it. Um, Henry Fielding, no, I didn't know that. Yeah,
1: I mean, I don't know if that's true. That's just the first thing that came up when I Googled. So you've got two right now. Uh, You might get a good grade here. we got two left to go. So, um, number four. So let's say that you've been thrown out of an establishment for having a pair of what might be called dispatchers, or Fulhams, or doctors. Uh, they have many names, but you've been caught with them. What establishment were you thrown out of? Oh. Is this A, a church, B, a brothel, or C, a casino?
4: Wow, Fulhams. Fulhams. I don't know what Fulhams are. It sounds like the Irish word for film. films. Um... <laughs>
1: Well it's it's spelled the same way as the place. Oh it is. If that Uh, helps at all.
4: Huh. Dispatchers, bulums, and it was a brothel, a casino, or a church? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say a brothel.
1: It is a casino,
4: actually. So those are
1: all terms for loaded dice.
4: Oh, wow.
1: And there were a bunch of other terms uh, for it, too, that I didn't pick. Those are just the three that I went with. Apparently, uh, loaded dice was a problem in that time period. I feel like I don't see anyone with loaded dice in their pockets anymore, but there were a lot of terms for it. Um, Apparently, in Fulham was where a lot of this underground gambling was happening, Uh, Hmm. so that is how it got that name. I'm not sure where dispatchers or doctors comes from, though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and they're so, they're
4: mm-hmm. referring to the people who keep those loaded dice. That's what you were called.
1: I think that it's the name of the dice themselves. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I walk into the casino with my dispatchers and uh, play some craps. I guess <laughs> it's
4: That's good to have a couple goes. of doctors with you at all times. <laughs> <in case. laughs> yeah. <laughs> the doctors,
1: I guess, make sense because they they doctor the results. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, but maybe I'm just making that up. Um, so we're two for two. Or mm-hmm. we, we have two wins, two losses so far. Okay. So this oh, is going to be determining whether you pass or not. Oh, God. Whether you get a passing grade on your exam. So um, it all comes down to this. Right. Number five. If you obtained a special license, what could you do with that special license? A. Wed at any time or place. B. Demand an eatery or tavern kick out all of their patrons except for you. Or C, gain access to the medical and financial records of any person in town.
4: This is to do with the period
1: that we're talking
4: about, the Regency period.
1: Yes, yes.
4: So it would give you either a dispensation to marry whoever you wanted, was that?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well it's not it's not to marry whoever you want, but you could marry at any time or at any place.
4: Okay. I think it's about marriage because that is very much a concern of everybody around there. Bands lifting the bands and all that stuff. So I think it's to do with that. (gasps) Sure. Yes.
1: (sighs) Well. It looks like you're going to pass your exams. That is correct. It is a special (laughs) license. Allows you to wed at any time or at any place. Um, Apparently, if you didn't have one of these, you had to uh, marry in a church between the hours of 8 a.m. and noon, so a real early wedding. And uh, you had to also be a member of that church for a certain number of time prior to the wedding. So the special license, though, you can kind of do whatever you want.
4: We don't know how lucky we have it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine uh, if I got an invitation for, to a wedding that was at 8 a.m., no matter how close I am to those people, I'm probably not going to be attending, I feel like.
4: Yeah, you'll turn up for the lunch buffet when I'm, yeah. you know, corny-faced. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah. With,
1: with my doctors to, waiting to, uh, to gamble with people there. That's yeah. right.
4: Oh, we know which <laughs> character you'd play in these Regency romances. You'd be the cad, the irredeemable I would. cad. I
1: would. My secret is out now. Thank there you for playing the game there. I hope yeah. that that was fun for you. I can't
4: believe I passed. That was, a, that was tricky. Yeah, those were not easy <laughs> questions. I thought you were going to say, what's a handsome cab or something?
1: Or no. I, I, had a, I, a had Phaeton? A, I had a list of about 5,000 of terms uh, to go through. Phaeton almost made the list, actually. So oh. that would have been too easy for you, I feel like.
4: Oh, well, Um, until you got me on the actual quiz, you thought it would be too easy for me. (laughs) (laughs) You could have rested just where you were. In fact, Mm -hmm. you probably found that out. Um,
1: Well, Mary Jane Wells, thank you again for your time and for being on the show today. I hope to have you on again so I can go through the other 5,000 terms to to quiz you on.
4: (laughs) Yeah, perfect. Perfect. (laughs) I'm I'm there. Thank you very much for having me, Andrew. It's been great fun.